praying with and for Christian captives today and the persecuted church is a powerful reminder to me, and I pray a powerful reminder to all of us of what Jesus promised his disciples. He said, Remember the words that I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And in his second letter to Timothy, the Apostle Paul made clear that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Which means that the more serious we are about being followers of Christ, living as followers of Christ in this world, the more faithful we are as his witnesses, the bigger targets of the enemy we become, and the more we will suffer. And our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church know that full well. For them, persecution is normal, an everyday experience And through it, they experience something that's quite abnormal to us here. The joy of the Lord in suffering. When times are good, it's easy, isn't it, to say, yeah, rejoice in the Lord always. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah. But what about when times get tough? And when trouble and hardship and indeed persecution come our way, there's a vital connection in Scripture between rejoicing in the Lord and suffering for the Lord. In fact, nowhere is the joy of the Lord more necessary or more apparent in the life of a Christian than in times of pain and suffering, which is the overarching theme of the book of 1 Peter, where I would invite you to turn with me in your Bibles today. 1 Peter chapter 4. As you're turning there, I'll just set this passage up. Excuse me for a moment. Peter uh, writes this letter from Rome to the churches in the Roman provinces of of Asia Minor who were suffering grief in all kinds of trials. They were suffering intense persecution, including physical and verbal abuse and discrimination for their faith in Jesus. And so Peter writes this letter to encourage them, encourage them to to persevere, persevere through, through the hardship, through the trial. And he teaches them, How to live not just righteously through these trials, but joyfully, joyfully through their suffering. Now, though we're not exactly sure when Peter wrote this letter, there's a good indication that it was during the reign of the ruthless Roman Emperor Nero between AD 54 and AD 68 when he was in power. And either just before or just after, somewhere probably around the time of the burning of Rome in AD 64, it was a devastating fire that lasted three days and three nights and destroyed the whole city. 
And it was widely believed that Nero himself, wanting to build a new and even greater city in his own honor, had purposely arranged to have Rome burned down. And so in order to divert negative attention and and the accusations that were coming at him, he needed to blame someone. Hmm, who to choose? Well, the Christians were a good target. Because you see, Christians were already the victims of hatred and slander, so they made a perfect scapegoat for him. So he publicly and emphatically blamed Christians for the burning of Rome. And as a result of this accusation, a time of intense persecution began for Christians, for followers of Jesus, for the church. For 200 years from Nero on, to become a Christian meant joining a despised and persecuted sect with the possibility of imprisonment, torture, and death. Christians were nailed to crosses, racked, seared, broiled, burned, stoned, and hanged. Some were lacerated with hot knives, others thrown on the horns of bulls. So then, it would be pretty easy under those circumstances to to question God and His goodness, wouldn't it? To question what you've signed up for. God, do you really love me? Do you really care about us? If so, why is this happening? But here in chapter 4 of 1 Peter, he dispels that way of thinking. And he reminds us all that God does indeed have an incredible plan and purpose in suffering. I'm going to invite you, if you are able, to to stand with me as we read this passage from 1 Peter chapter 4 and read it aloud with me. I have it on the screen too, and perhaps follow along with that one so that we're all reading from the same version. Here's what we read, beginning verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then... Those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Thank you for joining me in that reading today. Here is an incredible passage in scripture that explains how we should view and handle suffering, hardship, trials, indeed persecution as followers of Christ. And there's 
Four principles I just want to draw from this passage that we've read here. The first one is found in verse 12, that first verse we read, and it's this. We need to, as followers of Jesus Christ, reckon on suffering. We don't use that word a lot anymore, do we? I reckon. We need to reckon on suffering. That is, we need to be ready for it. We need to expect it. We need to be prepared for suffering. Count on it as followers of Jesus. That's what we see starting in verse 12. Peter says, dear friends, do not be surprised. Okay? Don't be shocked at the painful trial that you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Throughout this letter, Peter stresses the fact that that persecution for Christians is inevitable. It's going to happen. Jesus promised his disciples, if they persecuted me, it's going to happen to you too. If we are visibly living out our faith in Christ, and and I stress that, if we are visibly, audibly, faithfully living out our faith as followers of Jesus Christ, through obedient lives as his witnesses, opposition and suffering will happen. It will come, so it shouldn't be a surprise. In fact, it would be a surprise if it didn't come. That should be the real surprise. The believers Peter is writing to were apparently caught off guard, you see, by by the trials that they were suffering. They were taken by surprise because they hadn't reckoned on suffering. So they didn't understand why these things were happening to them. Which is why right off the bat in chapter 1 of this book, Peter gives them the answer This is important. After reminding them of God's great mercy that we've all received here if we're in Jesus Christ, his great mercy that has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that we've sung about this morning. He has given us an inheritance in heaven through faith in Jesus that will never perish, spoil, or fade. Okay? Then he says this, chapter 1, he says, In this, that is in the gift of salvation that is ours in Christ, you greatly rejoice. Though here's the thing, now, for a little while, you might have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith in Christ, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Which Peter reiterates, the fact that suffering is a test that God allows to prove the genuineness of our faith. He reiterates that in our passage today. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful test or trial, as it's translated here, that you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Becoming a Christian is not the promise of an easy, fun, happy-go-lucky life. I think we all know that, don't we? We should. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, he has to deny himself before you go any further. Paul, Paul says, crucify himself. Deny yourself, take up my cross, or your cross, says Jesus, which is a horrible thing. It's an instrument of torture and death across. And he says, and you have to carry it. You have to follow me carrying it every day. Um, This 
this is what it means to be a Christian. Now, that doesn't sound too fun, but it's something much, 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 much better than fun. It's, it's joy unspeakable. Because you know why? We get to suffer. We have the privilege, the honor of suffering with and for Jesus Christ. That is what he says here. By the way, I just want to point out this, this verse in James, which kind of read it, read it, reiterates the same point here. James says, consider it what? Pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that what? That the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And the next verse goes on to say, and perseverance must finish its work so that you will be complete, not lacking a single thing. Wow. Testing, suffering is necessary. Um, we must expect it. We must reckon on suffering. That helps a lot in handling it. Now, even though here in Canada, we're, we're not currently a, a country where, thankfully, where Christians are, are being physically persecuted, like those that we've prayed for today, our brothers and sisters that we've prayed for, um, that's one kind of suffering. But we are not exempt here in this country from suffering, my friends. We too must reckon on it, expect it. Our society, snow comes as no surprise, is, is becoming more and more and more intolerant of Christian faith and biblical truth. There is and there will continue to be growing hostility towards those who stand up for Jesus and stand upon the truth of God's word, which is very clear, very clear about sin and what constitutes sin. When we do that, we confront the blatant immorality in our culture, specifically the sexual immorality in our culture that is being packaged and sold as, as a supposed virtue. Of, of tolerance and inclusion and affirmation, indeed celebration. In fact, I shared with the worship team earlier, there's, there's a parade happening this afternoon, flaunting, celebrating this immorality. As followers of Jesus Christ, the more faithful we are to God's word, the more fierce the opposition will be. Trouble, hardship, persecution is only going to increase here in Canada. Being a disciple of Jesus is not easy. Again, it means taking up our cross and following him daily. And that cross is what he suffered for us, to pay for the sin that we're talking about here, the sin that we've been saved from, and yet the sin that, that our culture celebrates. So if he suffered, we should not be surprised to suffer with him and for him, and indeed to count it a privilege to do so. That is the point of this message here. Reckoning on suffering is how we prepare to do something infinitely greater than counting on it. Reckoning on suffering prepares us to rejoice in suffering. That's what Peter says, verse 13, but rejoice. Why? So because you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Wow. Peter's reiterating what Jesus said in Matthew 5.11. He said, blessed are you. Blessed are you 
when, when people persecute you, insult you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. And so Peter is saying, when we suffer, we should rejoice for the blessing, the privilege and honor that it is to participate in Christ's sufferings, our Savior. We are to rejoice because when we suffer for Jesus, we suffer with Jesus, my friends. During the dictatorship of President Ceausescu in Romania many years ago, Romanian pastor Joseph Son wrote a paper on the principles of God's way of life, and he sent a copy to President Ceausescu. He was immediately arrested, imprisoned, beaten, and threatened with death if he did not rescind what he had written. His reply was this, a calm, loving smile, describing the suffering he endured. Here's what he said. This union with Christ is the most beautiful subject in the Christian life. It means that I'm not a lone fighter here. I am an extension of Jesus Christ. When I was beaten in Romania, he suffered in my body. It is not my suffering. I only had the honor, the joy, you might say, to share in his sufferings. It's the same with the stories of those we've heard today who rejoice in Jesus' suffering. But they don't just rejoice for the privilege, the honor it is to share in them. Look what verse 13 says. We also are to rejoice in suffering because of the glory that is to come. Verse 13 continues, rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Our joy through suffering in the present is the means of attaining our ultimate joy in the future when Jesus' glory will ultimately be revealed, my friends. Wow. Um, Jesus said, again, rejoice and be glad. Why? Because great is your reward in heaven. That is why we can rejoice. We can rejoice in our suffering in the present by fixing our minds and our hearts on the future glory of our reward in heaven. And the resurrection, we will be raised just as Jesus Christ was raised if we are in him. Wow, what an amazing, what, what a beautiful promise. Rejoice in that, my friends, in the midst of the suffering here and now. That is not just our reality for a little while. That is our reality forever and ever and ever more. We will be with him perfectly. Peter says this in 1 Peter 1.11. He says, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit predicted the sufferings of Christ. He predicted that and the glory that would follow. And in Romans 8, Paul says something similar. The Apostle Paul writes, if we are God's children, then we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not even worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us through Christ in the future. Suffering in the present leads to glory in the future, my friends. We cannot forget that. If we become embittered at life and the painful hand it deals us, if we do that 
in the present, we are not preparing ourselves for his glory and our great reward in Christ in the future. So let us what? Let us rejoice. Rejoice, which means, by the way, it means be rejoicing. Be rejoicing all the time. Be rejoicing. That is why Paul, writing from a Roman prison, commands, commands believers in Philippi to what? To rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Always he writes in chains. Always rejoice. And then he repeats it. I will say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. But there's, there's still another reason to rejoice in the Lord. And we see it in verse 14. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. Why? For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. We can rejoice in our suffering because the Holy Spirit not only rests on us, he lives in us. 1 John 4, 4, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Do you believe that? We can rejoice because the Holy Spirit of the living God himself is in us. He can't get any closer. We have all access to him who dwells in our hearts through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. The person, power, and presence of God who will help us and comfort us and strengthen us to see us through anything, including suffering. And that is a reason to rejoice. So we must reckon on suffering, okay? Are you with me? Reckon on it, count on it. Number two, rejoice in suffering. And thirdly, we must reflect on suffering. What do I mean by this? Evaluate it. Um, Here's what we read in verse 15. Peter writes, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However... If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God, you bear that name. The, the question that we need to ask ourselves in times of suffering is, is why, why are we suffering? What's the reason for it? Um, specifically, is, is it because of sin? Or is it for the sake of God's Son? If it's because of sin... And by the way, we will suffer for our sin. We do. There's consequences for the sinful choices we make when we disobey the Lord. If we're suffering for the sake of sin, that should be expected. In fact, we deserve to suffer that way, for sure. We should be ashamed of that. That's the implication here. But not if we're suffering as faithful followers of Christ. Not for the sake of God's Son. So that's the question I just want to ask for a second here. What does it mean to suffer as a Christian? The primary context of this book, 1 Peter, is suffering as a direct result of being persecuted for your faith in Jesus. Suffering for the cause of Christ is, by the way, that suffering that we choose. When we choose, when we repent of our sins and and turn to Jesus Christ in faith, we choose that road. We sing in that song, it's, it's a road marked with suffering. There's pain in the offering, but we say, blessed be the name of the Lord. It's a road that we choose to suffer for Christ. So what about suffering that we don't choose? Like, um, okay, let's name some, like terminal illness or abuse or tragedy or depression. Does that count as, as Christian suffering? Well, 
Like we can look at Peter's example. We can look at the, Paul's example, the Apostle Paul. Any suffering that came his way, whether it was, and there was a lot, whether it was being beaten with rods, shipwrecked, or not having enough food to eat, not having enough clothes to keep him warm while he traveled from town to town, that was all part of the cost of following Jesus for him. The point being, if we are living our lives as faithful followers of Jesus, then any suffering that comes in the path of obedience to him is suffering with and for Jesus Christ. Whether it's insults or illness. Um, What distinguishes suffering in general from suffering specifically with and for Christ is not how intentional our enemies are, but how faithful we are to Jesus. So if you suffer as a Christian for doing what is right, for standing upon the truth and obeying God's word, being faithful in your witness to Jesus, praise the Lord. Do not be ashamed of that. Rejoice in that. And what does it say? Praise God that you bear that name. What? That name Christian. Christian. This is one of the only places in the Bible where we find that term. Only here in the book of Acts. Pastor Paul mentioned that last week. Um, The early Christians didn't go by that name Christian. They spoke of themselves as followers of the way, Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. But their Jewish opponents stigmatized them and gave them the name Christian as as an insult. It, It was intended to be a mocking term. But Peter turns it around here. And he says, hey, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name, because in that name, Christian is the name Christ, Jesus, the name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, even his enemies, even those persecuting Christians. Now, notice verse 17. This is interesting. He says, For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, when Peter uses the word judgment here, he's not talking about condemnation. Again, he's talking about testing, purging, purifying. And my friends, God's purification begins with us, begins with his church. And Peter supports his point with this quote taken from Proverbs 11, 31, verse 18. If it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? He's saying, if these trials and sufferings are difficult for Christians, man, what's it going to be like for non-Christians? What kind of suffering will they have to endure? The answer is ultimately hell. For those apart from Christ, they they will have to experience the greatest torment and suffering imaginable, one that has no end. So all of this helps us see the importance of reflecting very carefully, evaluating our suffering. And perhaps for some of us, if, if we're not suffering at all, perhaps this is a call to consider if we are living out our faith visibly and audibly enough as we should, as witnesses of Jesus Christ. Because if we do, and when we are, there will be opposition. So we must reckon on suffering, rejoice in suffering, reflect on suffering, and one more point, if you can just bear with me here. 
we must recommit ourselves to God, or commit, as the passage says. Let me just explain that. Uh, Verse 19, this is where we find this. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. The word commit here, it's really interesting. It's a financial term that means to deposit, make a deposit for safekeeping. And Peter is saying, in the face of suffering, that's what we must do. We must make that deposit of our lives, commit our entire being, body, heart, soul, mind, and strength into the hands of God, who is our faithful creator. But here's the thing. Even though, as followers of Jesus, we've committed ourselves to him, sometimes what happens? Without realizing it, we we make a withdrawal from the bank, don't we? (laughs) In our pride, we try to take control of our lives back and try to do things on our own. And that is why I suggest we need to not only commit ourselves as we did when we came to Christ, we need to recommit ourselves every day. That's why take up your cross daily and follow Jesus because sometimes we drop it, don't we? Um, You know this word commit? You know where else we find this word commit? Out of the words, out of the mouth of Jesus. These are amongst his very last words he spoke when he died on the cross. He cried out to God saying, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Same word, same meaning. Jesus entrusted his spirit to God the Father. At the pinnacle of his suffering, Jesus gave himself over to God, surrendered himself completely to the Father as he laid down his life on the cross to save us from our sins. And here Peter is saying, in our suffering, we must do the same thing. We must commit ourselves, completely surrender our lives to God, our faithful creator. God has a purpose in suffering, my friends. Trials, hardships, pain, and suffering have come and they will come so that our faith, which is of greater worth than gold, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So as Christians, when trials and sufferings come our way, may we not be surprised. May we be ready, expecting it. Bring it on. Let us reckon on suffering as we're told to. Also, that'll prepare us to rejoice. Rejoice in suffering knowing that we have the privilege of sharing in the suffering of Jesus himself as we do that. For the glory that is set before us, for the the promise of heaven and eternal life with him, we can endure and rejoice in that suffering. And because his Holy Spirit rests in us and lives through us, when we submit to him, he will give us the strength we need. He will bear his fruit, the fruit of joy. Joy, which is our strength. And if we bear that, we can bear anything. And we need to reflect on our suffering, don't we? Why is this happening? What's going on? Make sure that it's not for the sake of sin, but for the sake of God's Son. Make sure that we're living as faithful followers of Christ. And finally, surrender. Recommit ourselves to Him, our faithful Creator. By the way, that's the only time in Scripture we see that term, faithful Creator. He created us. He knows us. He's knit us together so he knows what our needs are and he's able to meet our needs perfectly through Christ Jesus. 
He's promised to work all things, including suffering for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, it's a hard word, but it's a necessary word, Father, because you promise us that as faithful followers of Jesus, Lord, we will have trouble in this world. There will be hardship. There will be persecution and suffering as a result of it. But Father, you have not left us alone. You have given us everything that we need to handle it, Father God. You have given us yourself through your son Jesus who died on the cross to pay for our sin and give us eternal life, redeem us by his blood. And you have given us your Holy Spirit to seal our inheritance in heaven. So Father God, thank you. Thank you for what you do in and through suffering and what you are doing in and through ours. And I pray, Father, that that we would embrace that indeed that that we would expect suffering and that when it comes we would be ready to rejoice in it knowing that we share in Jesus' suffering that we reflect on it and make sure that we are walking faithfully as your followers Father God keep us from evil deliver us from temptation and evil Father God help us to be faithful as followers of Jesus as we carry our crosses daily and follow you And Father, we commit ourselves, we commit to you, our brothers and sisters in Christ, suffering right now. Father, we commit to you all of them, and we stand with them once again, and thank you for that privilege, the honor to suffer with and for you, Jesus. God, continue to have your way, and Father, encourage our hearts as we set them and our minds upon the glorious riches that are ours through faith in Christ Jesus. In whose name I pray, amen. Amen. As, uh, as we respond to the word this morning, I, I would ask if you're able to stand with me as we sing this final song, I Need Thee Every Hour. And in order to apply what we have heard and to stand strong in our faith, we do need the Lord. And so let's sing this together.
surrender to the Lord. Um, I'm going to invite you to join us uh, for a time of fellowship in the gymnasium following the service. Uh, always a time we look forward to if you're able to stick around. Uh, a good opportunity to get, some know, get to know some people. Welcome, by the way, if you're new to us. We'd love to uh, get to know you a little bit. So join us for a cup of coffee and whatever they're serving for snacks today. It's probably going to have some kind of sugar in it. Give us a little boost there. But uh, yeah, join us in the gym afterwards. Uh, but now receive the Lord's blessing. And I want to close with this passage from 1 Peter chapter 5. It says this, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And... The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be power forever and evermore. Amen. Lord bless you.